Welcome into 60 Minute Overtime, Fall 2016. We are on episode 9. Today is December 3rd, 2016. I'm your host, Danielle McCartan. Lots to get to today. Breaking news just now with Jeff Fisher and the Rams. Okay, you can follow my work. I'll shout it out in a minute. Uh, today we're going to get to Jeff Fisher. I have three guests on today. Joe Madden, the manager of the Chicago Cubs, in his first interview since winning the World Series championship with the Cubs uh, not long ago. Joe Quagliano, he's the founder of Mint Pros. Uh, specialty baseball organization specializing in VIP baseball events. Uh, around 11.45, Greg Larnard from CBS Sports is going to give his weekly fantasy football segment. Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, if you have any questions, ask me the questions. I'll write them down for when he comes on. Or if not, give me a call. There's a lot of open-ended things happening. I'd love to hear you call in. The number is 201-825-1234. Here's my little jingle. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. We're going to talk Jeff Fisher, obviously. That's uh, the breaking news over. I got handwritten notes here for that. Uh, hot topics of the day. I'm going to give them to you now. You marinate in them, as uh, I heard on the radio on the way in on ESPN Radio. Marinate in these topics. Let me know what you think. I have an audience of 13 on uh, Periscope, 2 on Facebook Live. Who are you? Let's talk. Number one, topic. Jeff Fisher, he just received a two-year extension, L.A. Rams. Okay, what do you think about that? That's first. Next up, we'll have uh, hot topics of the day. We have three of them. These are brought to you by BackSportsPage.com. Randy does a great job. This is a great little thing for his website here. He gives you uh, all of his writers three questions of the day. I mean, three. Uh, he gave us three questions, and, and each day he's rolling out new answers. So Friday's question was on BackSportsPage.com. Do you want to see athletes get involved in discussing political issues with the media and talking about non-sports-related topics? That was Fridays. Yesterday, Saturdays, was why are NFL ratings down this season? And uh, one was supposed to come on uh, today, but we're going to postpone it until tomorrow. So here's your sneak peek. The question is on BackSportsPage.com. I'm sure Randy won't mind. He's going to be calling in in a minute. Uh, which sport gives you the best live experience and why? Maddie Z on, uh, on Facebook. Aunt Donna, good morning from North Carolina. Good morning from New Jersey. Okay, you can find my work, www.prosportsrundown.com. I got a brand new article on Joe Madden up there. Uh, I can't wait to get into that and, and, and explain to you everything that happened with that. Uh, Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. YouTube, search Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N with a space there. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. iTunes podcast, Coach Space McCartan. Go right to your phone. Every time I upload something, it goes directly into your phone. Now I'm on TuneIn Radio. So if you have a Sonos system, that would be ideal. You can listen to me in Dolby Digital Surround Sound. You just type in 60-minute overtime. Again, that gets uh, updated ASAP, okay? And video simulcast right now on Periscope, at Coach McCartan on Periscope. Six viewers now. And uh, on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, we are down to one. <laughs> Not sure who that is. I hope that's uh, you, Antonna. Still sticking in there. Okay, so Jeff Fisher. Oh, man. Jeff Fisher received a two-year or has already signed a two-year extension through 2018 with the L.A. Rams. Oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, you might say, well, what's the big deal? Okay, well, this guy, Jeff Fisher, he's two losses shy 
for the most all-time as a coach, ever. Ever. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He called, they were playing the Patriots, I think it was last week, he called Danny Amendola a running back when he's actually a wide receiver. So how are you playing against a team and you don't even know who you're defending against? You don't even know what personnel groupings that they have and what position these guys are. How do you not know that as a head coach in the NFL? And that must be an indication. <laughs> someone just said, first of all, I'm wearing a Brandon Marshall t-shirt right now, and someone just said, take that off. You should be wearing an Odell Beckham one. Hey, send it to me. I will wear it. Believe me. Believe me, I will wear it. The Jets are playing for nothing. We'll get into that. But So Jeff Fisher calls Danny Amendola a wide receiver, I mean a running back, but he's actually a wide receiver. The Patriots have beaten them in two games. You ready for this? Two games. 104-7. to seven. <laughs> uh, Most recently, most notably, he's gotten into a feud with Eric Dickerson, who's like a legendary Rams player, for being on the sideline and, and coaching his players. Well, if you can't coach the players... Can someone else, please? Because the Rams right now are 4-7. and seven. This guy, Jeff Fisher, hasn't seen a playoff game. Oh, has, I'm sorry, hasn't won a playoff game since 2003. And he hasn't made the playoffs since 2008. Hello, it's 2016. You haven't made the playoffs in eight years? Because this year they're, they're already out, I think. This guy's been the head coach for four years, right? You guys talk about teacher tenure. This guy's been a coach for four years. He has a losing record of 31-43 and 43 overall. And he's 4-7 and seven right now. The guys don't want to play for him. They don't know who their quarterback is. Doesn't that sound familiar? The team has no identity. Nobody's playing for this guy. And yet, he received a two-year extension. So Rams fans, you're not going to have a winning season until 2019, at least. Because that's when this guy's locked up through. On my way in, I put a uh, poll up. Rams fans, uh, on my Twitter page, Coach McCartan. Rams fans, Fisher's extension. Yes or no? 100% of the people voted no. <laughs> 100% of the people voted no. No, thank you. I'm trying to scroll through some the trending tweets here. Someone wrote, still bamboozled by Jeff Fisher getting an extension. I wouldn't let him coach the local my- <laughs> Mighty Might football team. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. If you're ever questioning your job security, you could tell your boss that this guy, Jeff Fisher, still has a job and that you deserve one too because I'm astonished. The entire football league is astonished. I, I, I can't even think of reasons why they would keep him. What would be the reason why? What would be the reason why? I'd love to hear from you. If you got a great reason why, please, by all means, let me know. Good morning from Yonkers, from Cousin Kathy. Hi. From New Jersey. <laughs> All right, so that, that's my take on Jeff Fisher. I'm scratching my head still. I couldn't believe that came through on my ESPN updates this morning. Jeff Fisher still has a job. And how? Please, comment, call in, 201-825-1234. Let me know. This is Brian Leonard, uh, 
from an interview that I had done with Brian Leonard uh, seven months ago. I had asked him the question of, Saint, he, he was a Rams running back. So, you know, moving from St. Louis to L.A., what did he think about that? Are you ready for this? This is just a one-liner. you got to listen up quick. Listen. This is what he said. That they had in the past, and it was the best show on turf. It was the best show on turf. Well, Rams fans, as they do on Hot 97 in the morning uh, here in New York, Peter Rosenberg, I'm going to tweet this to you in, in a little bit. Jeff Fisher of the L.A. Rams for the best show on turf. Congratulations. You played yourself. Thankfully, the Jets are not the best show on turf because the Rams, you guys are. Someone just wrote he was good on hard knocks. Yeah, but he reamed out a team for being 7-9 and nine on hard knocks that season. Yet he's 4-7 and seven right now. He's taking no responsibility of, of, of losing record his career, for his entire career. Again, he's two losses shy from having the most losses all time of a head coach ever. That's it. That's that's Jeff Fisher for the Rams. Now, uh, coming up uh, right now, I want to talk about Randy's question on BackSportsPage.com was, do you want to see athletes get involved in discussing political issues with the media and talking about non-sports-related topics? Well, I did say that no, I do not wish to see athletes discussing political issues. An athlete taking a stand to me is divisive, even among the most loyal fans and fan bases. For example, how could you root for a quarterback if you know that he is vehemently opposed to your political, economic, and social views? To dabble in political discourse would be damning for the sport and for the people who follow it. Why do you think Tom Brady did ne- never outright said that he supports Donald Trump? Why do you think? Conversely, though, I would like to see athletes dabble in sports, non-sports related topics such as music, fashion, charity work, which Randy does a lot of, uh, and uh, t- other things. So we got two phone calls ringing in. 60 Minute Overtime, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Chris from Awa. Chris from Awa. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. All right. Um, what did you want to talk about? I want to talk about the Jets, but just to touch on the last point you made, I couldn't agree more. And With, uh, that transcends athletics. Um, I, I, I don't want to hear celebrities' political views. I don't want to hear, you know, um, any of the... I don't need them to lecture me on, you know, anything. You know, I care about their movie. I care about how you do on Sunday on the football field. Other than that, I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care who you're dating. I don't care where you went out to eat last night. I don't care who you shot. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I, I follow you for what you do on the sports field or on a movie screen, and I respect that, and that's it. And now, I, I don't want to know who you voted for, but who, who's your favorite player in the NFL right now? That's, um, that's a tough question. I, I, right now, I'm, I'm really liking the way Landon Collins is playing, okay. so let, let's go with him for now. Okay, so I don't care who you voted for, but if Landon Collins stood up uh, on a press conference and, say, and says, I support the other candidate. Would that make you like Landon Collins just a little less? It would It would turn me off a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I, it, it would turn me off a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. At the same time, I understand that, you know, Muhammad Ali protested the war, the draft, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I understand that they feel, you know, if he feels in his heart that he has to do something, or she, for that matter, um, you know, for a cause they care about, that's fine, but just don't expect me to care about your cause, you know what I mean? And don't expect me to care about anything you say, other than, you know, 
what you were thinking during that play, you know. Right. I'm with but, you. Um, uh, but, but to my point on the Jets, um, oh, boy. I, call, I call a lot about the Jets. Very yeah. dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, but I, again, I find the Jets to be fascinating. The best show um, on turf, right? Other yeah, than the Rams. Interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, just wanted to comment on the draft for the Jets. This is the wor- worst possible scenario: uh-huh. is them follow um, them finishing with a high draft pick in a draft that doesn't really have any um, anything that could help them. I mean. Taking a quarterback up high, this is a bad quarterback draft. To take a quarterback up high would, I feel like, set them back. I mean, they're, they're, I feel like quarterbacks high in the draft are a huge dice roll to begin with. Um, I mean, how many Jake Lockers do we see on the top ten? How many? How often is Jamarcus Russell the top pick mm-hmm. um, in comparison to Andrew Luck? I mean, you have, you know, Lee Fermanning, you know, uh, Lucker, RG3. It's such a dice roll the Jets can't afford to take, I feel. And I also feel there are the other top prospects are defensive players or a running back, which again they don't need. Um, so, so I, it's going to be another case of the same old Jets. I feel yep. um, going into next year, I don't think they'll fire the coach, which is something they should do. Um, I mean, I think the Jets should look at. I know Coughlin to the Jets would be weird, but he's a he's a he's a a Patriots killer. Um, I mean, he has a tremendous job rebuilding franchises in his career. So. Uh, that that might be a direction that they could look into. Okay, couple things. Okay, couple things. Um, so I was just thinking about this on the way in. First of all, I just looked up. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth, sixth. round. Dak, Dak one ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah, and and Dak Prescott was drafted in the fourth round. Fourth round. Now Russell the, Wilson third round. Russell Wilson third. Round. So now the Jets go out and they get Christian Hackenberg in the second round. So unless you know that this guy is going to be a stud. I think you, you you wait a little bit longer. I mean, his his struggles with his footwork and everything was just well documented all throughout. Now, if you have no no plan to work with him immediately, why bother? I, it's it's not that league anymore where where you take a guy, you bench him for two years, and see mm-hmm. how he develops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they 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 hurt themselves too because I mean they have needs all over the secondary, the offensive line. Offensive so by line. taking Petty in the fourth, Hackenberg in the second, yep. they're depriving themselves of these resources that could be, you know, used elsewhere. And, and, you know, I was on here last week saying, why can't they... I mean, the season is almost mathematically they're out of the playoffs, pretty much. Okay, they're the bottom of the barrel of the AFC East. So why do they still insist on having Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback? Why don't you give the young guys a chance just to assess your needs moving forward? 100%. If they're thinking about taking a quarterback in next year's draft or looking at a quarterback in next year's free agency... Um, they got to know what they have in house, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of part of the scouting process that you scout the college quarterbacks, you scout the free, but you also want to scout your own guys and see how they play live action against you know live action defenses. And and Bryce Petty wasn't so bad. And it wasn't horrible. He didn't <laughs> he lose bad, him the game. Right. I mean, you know, he didn't win him the game, but he didn't lose it for him. So. And then and then the last week, you know, the Jets are poised to to have a game winning drive. Fitzpatrick gets hit from behind and he fumbles the ball. Game over. I mean, how many games have have we seen of him doing that? A lot. Last year, his success was. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if there's like a luck factor. Like, mm. if there was a way to measure luck, <laughs> but it, it was just. I mean, they got really lucky a lot. Weak schedule. Yeah. Um. They, they won a lot of close games. You know. And this year is the complete opposite. So, and the reason that he's playing is uh, Bowles' job. Bowles is coaching for his yep. for his job at mm-hmm. this point. You know. So. 
But I, I just I don't see it because okay, so so you win the last four games of the season. That's just putting your team back even farther because now you have a worse draft pick. Yep. Like hundred percent. They're a mess. Uh, you know, I, I just don't understand. I, I don't get it. It's a dumpster fire. I mean, it's almost. I kind of hated the Jets growing up, and I almost feel bad for them at this point. I mean, <laughs> a friend of mine is a big time Jets fan, and um, he has turned into Randy Quaid from um, from Major League. You know, yeah. hat inside out. You know, <laughs> booing the team. You know, he'll boo. The, he'll he will root against them even if they go to the championship. Yeah. I mean, let's say in the future. You know, it's difficult. He's completely jaded. You have to look at the bright spots. So I mean. Although Eric Decker's out for the season, you got to look at Quincy a guy like Quincy Anunwa. Yeah, he stepped yeah, up. He definitely, you know. So and that's to your point about playing the quarterback too. You know, you would have never seen Anunwa if if I mean Decker didn't get hurt. Now I'm not saying you root for a guy to get hurt, but to, to your point about benching, you know Fitzpatrick and, and taking a look at the quarterback, you know you would have never known what you had there with Anunwa if he never got the chance. Right. Right. I don't know. Well, I don't understand. They're they're a very frustrating franchise to be to be honest with you. So I, I don't really. Someone wrote on just a Periscope right now. Bring back Tebow. Oh God. I was joking with my buddy. Um, so the Tebow's on the Mets, um, and the Browns have uh, Paul DePasada. Uh, Paul DePasada as their general manager, who was a um, front office executive with the Mets last year, which is strange. <laughs> so um, we should make a trade. Bring back Deep Posada. We'll trade you Tebow for Deep Posada. Oh, no. the belong, oh you know? God. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? One more thing. You brought up the, the coach uh, coaching change. I'm just really tired. I, I'm going to write an article about this, but I'm just really tired about how the Jets have picked, in my recent memory, all of defensive-minded quarterbacks. Correct. Defense. Right. Going back to, to, going back to um, Carroll. Parcells. Not, I'm not knocking Parcells, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Herm Edwards, defense. Yep. Um, Rex, and it's in a quarterback league. It's a passing league. Yep. You, you want a guy that's going to, you know, has that mentality. Right. I think, you know who I think? I'm going to write an article about this, too. I think North Turner would be a good fit. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm on my hands and knees praying the Patri uh, Packers fire um, McCarthy. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. would be, a, you know, a match made in heaven for yep. them. I mean, they, they desperately need something along those lines. Oh, only time will tell, but I, I'm going to write an article, so keep an eye out for that. ProSportsRundown.com. Yeah, no, what, what's the website? <laughs> it's uh, ProSportsRundown.com. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I was, I was, quick last point. I was talking to my buddy, and we were talking about coaches. And um, I mentioned Westhoff. The guy, I hear him on sports radio every once in a while. He seems to be very knowledgeable yes. about both sides of the ball. You know, of course, he was a special teams coach, but so was Harbaugh. You know, what, what, I don't know why they never gave the guy a shot. His, his units were all, I mean, of course, it's a little... You know, there's 32 coaching jobs in the NFL, head coaching jobs in the NFL. Right. You give, give a job to a uh, special teams coach, we'd be, you know, kind of out there. But yeah. he was a Jeff forever. Units were always great. Players seem to like him. You know, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, just yeah. kind of grasping for straws here for yeah. the Jets, but yeah, I don't know. It's <sighs> absolutely dumb. And uh, one, another quick question. Yeah. Browns are a team that always fascinates You know, going into this draft, again, same kind of situation, more needs. I think even though they traded down last year and it didn't really work out, I think that's what they have to do again. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I was just reading someone said that uh, Tim Tebow, uh, they should bring him back because he took Denver to the playoffs his first season, his rookie season. Well, I hope that John Saloon is joking. Or <laughs> lady, whoever it is. <laughs> I don't know. Is, uh, the, guy, the guy can't throw football. I, you know, he's not an NFL quarterback. Uh, but maybe he could go over to the CFL or something like that. Maybe have him as a goal line option 
type. I, I don't see it happening. A <laughs> fullback, wildcat specialist. Yeah, be like, yeah, wildcat type quarterback. I, I, I just can't see it. But um, you know, you, I mean, you might as well if you're going to do that with the running the option in the NFL, you might as well take right. you know a, a running back and put him there. You know, but um, yeah, but the Browns have. I think the Browns should trade down again. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not the there's not the game changing player there for them. They're not the team that's just a player away. What about, down. Yeah. Matt what about your bro Peppers though? You got to feel bad for that guy, right? Peppers. Yeah. He's gonna go uh, to the Browns. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't see how that would. Peppers would, would make sense. I, I just I can't see that making sense on the Browns. Um, you know, I, I can't see any of these top picks making sense on the Browns. I can see, you know, who's a team that. Like the Cowboys last year, if they took a guy like Peppers, that'd be, you know that'd be great. The way they did with Ezekiel Elliott, yeah. a team that's kind of not that far off, you know. <laughs> but there, there is a, I don't know. I'm I'm just such a big fan of trading down, accumulating picks when you're in such a when the team is a dumpster fire like that, you know. Look, I mean, you got House. You know, uh, you go through their history of top picks; it's an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, you know, I mean, people kind of get on the Browns for trading down last year and missing out on Carson Wentz. I don't blame them at all. Uh, I think that was the, the right move. They just missed out on what they missed was they missed. They took the quarterback from USC in the third round and set it back to Prescott in the fourth. That's what they missed. Well, here, look. I'm, I just Googled uh, 2004 top draft pick. Eighth overall pick was uh, for the Browns was Justin, the running back. Justin Gilbert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two, 2014, 14. Justin Gilbert. Yeah, 13 yeah. was Barcavius Mingo. Yep, traded him to the Patriots for a six-round pick, fifth-round pick maybe. And 2012 was Brandon Whedon, which he's still around, I think. But yeah, he was a backup for Dallas last I remember. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, really. He was like 27 when they took him. He was uh, 20, oh, 27 years old. Yeah, because he, he played pro baseball. Oh, um, God. He played pro baseball before he went to Oklahoma State and played uh, played football. So they they, they drafted a 27-year-old quarterback in the first round, which is asinine. Yes. And he's a yeah. he, he's a backup. He's a American football quarterback for the Houston Texans. Houston Texans at this point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they could pick him the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. So thank you so much for calling yeah. in. You are one of the most loyal listeners I have. So thank you. Uh, very much. the best show. <laughs> thank you. Thank Take you. Care. All right, hear from day. you next week. Thank you. Go Giants. <laughs> Go Giants. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, we got another phone call. Sixty minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Randy Jelly back sports page. Oh, hey, Randy. <laughs> so that was a great call. Was that not a great call? Listen, I, I don't know why I'm calling at this point. I think you guys touched on everything that we were going to talk about. <laughs> no, no, no. So let's go back to um, uh, wanting to see athletes get involved in political issues. I say absolutely not. Chris from Mawa says absolutely not. What do you think? Okay, well, you know, this is something that obviously we discussed on back sports page this week. Mm-hmm. You were involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's funny. I, we posted the back sports pitch question of the day, and there's two questions, and this is the only one out of the two so far that I've answered. Um, I, I, to me, it's I sort of feel the same stance as both of you guys do. Where again, I, what they do on their own time and, and how they feel about certain things, it doesn't mean much to me. You know, it means more to me if uh, he used Landon Collins as an example. Landon Collins, it matters to me if how many interceptions he has today against Pittsburgh. Right. I don't care if who, who he voted for in the election. I don't care if he's, like, anti-abortion. I don't care. You know, I, I don't I don't care. I'm at that point where, you know, like, you know, everyone has an opinion. I was using an analogy, but it's not appropriate for radio. Um, you know, like, 
it's I don't care to the point where I I, I, the, I care about these guys going on the field. At the end of the day, they have to accept their roles as entertainers, and I understand it's branding. Like he, Victor Cruz has a brand that he also has to that he has to you know, look out for. Just be careful what he says when he talks with the media. But I also understand, you know, they're they're, they're not machines. They're you know, they have uh, general feelings too. It's just you know, there's time and a place for everything. And if if Eli Manning wants to go to the Republican National Convention and talk about his political views, that's one thing. But I don't need to hear about it while we're talking while we're talking with him in the locker room about the, the game next week. Would you make? Would it make you like him a little bit less if he voted for somebody that you didn't support, especially in no, this last I, election? Because here's here's the thing. First off, when you start looking at this this past election, nobody liked any of the candidates. I think like people have been like, "Can Obama run for a third term?" <laughs> you know, like you know, that's that was the type of the conversation we everyone was starting to have. Is that's how much they dislike these two candidates? You know, we're now at a point where we um, we are now trying to figure out what's what. You know, like we're, we're you know we what where's the line of entertainment? Where's the line of what we care about as a society. Again, football players need to be football players and not be activists while they're football players. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, so, uh, oh, and then I also wrote that I think that I, I do like when they kind of go off the script when they discuss other things. Like, like I just interviewed Joe Madden, and we were talking about um, Italy, his Italian heritage, um, getting the phone call from Barack Obama. I mean, that's interesting. But... You know whether or not he likes Obama. I don't need to know it. I don't really care to no, know. No, no. I think I think that that phone call at the end of the winning a championship is is like the reward for you know you know if it's, you know you, you want to be in contact you, as a president. You want to be in touch with what's going on with society. He knows that everybody's meeting. Everyone's watching this. It's like the Cleveland like like Barack Obama called Tyrone Lou and LeBron James right after they won the NBA championship and, and helped reverse the curse in Cleveland. No, it's a big thing. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a uh, big that big of a thing. You know, it's 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 a tradition. It's a traditional thing. The president always calls, just like at the end of the when, when the Yankees won the World Series back in two thousand nine. Uh, you know, President Obama spoke to Joe Torre, yeah. not Joe Torre, uh, Joe Girardi. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said Joe Torre. <laughs> you know, like President Bush had spoken to Joe Torre when they won in two thousand. When won in two thousand, so it's. You know, it's it is it's just part of the, it's part of that little tradition. But I just don't like sports and politics don't mix. No, I just don't think nope. it's a good idea. Nope. Okay, so then we talked uh, a little bit on your show on Thursday night, which is um, off topic. Which is what time is that on? What time do you start? Seven. Yeah, we're on seven o'clock. Okay, so Randy's on at seven o'clock on with his show called. Um, off topic. He's here on WRPR Radio at seven o'clock, so you guys can tune into him. But and I had called in talking about this. Why are the NFL ratings down this season? Uh, I just yeah, think that it's an oversaturation of the market. I have here that they're on football is on Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night, and the Jets are playing a Saturday night game. It's across all sorts of platforms. I think that instead of looking at ratings, they need to kind of revolutionize revolutionize the way they're they're marketing their product. If they can capitalize on marketing in all those different outlets, I think we wouldn't be talking about ratings, TV ratings. Well, here's here's the thing. No, I'm a firm believer. This is again. This I did I did not respond to this question on Back Sports page this week. This is an alliance because my general feeling on this has been when you have so much when your product is so accessible, why are people sitting at home and watching it? 
you know, there was a point. There was a point in time when you were able to, if you were in living in New Jersey, New York, and you were a St. Louis Rams fan, you and they, they weren't playing one of the local teams. You had to go to the sports bar that was airing the NFL Network right. to watch it. Right. Now, if you are a St. Louis Rams fan and you live in New York, New Jersey, oh, you can just pull it up on your tablet. Oh, you can just pull it up on your Roku. Twitter streaming live it. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we're streaming live on Twitter. When when things are just so accessible, when, you, when things become so accessible that you know, like you can go to the park with your kids, and while the kids are playing on the playground, you can watch the Giant game. The ratings are going to be down because of that. I, I, people are sitting there saying the protests and the scandals and you know, no uh, fun league. I don't think it's that. that. I don't think it has anything to do with it. I just think. When you when you can watch the game on your tablet, when you can watch two games at one time on your tablet without even being home, or you have Red you Zone on your TV that you don't even have to watch a whole game, you could just watch Red Zone and fan- follow your fantasy football team. Like, what are the ratings on Red Zone? We'd we'd have to wonder. You know what I'm saying? Wait, the, the Red Zone has a higher rating than the games on television. Right. I'm not surprised. And then the last question on your site, BackSportsPage.com, which sport gives you the best live experience and why? I couldn't decide. I was going between football and hockey. Um, both games, to me, are, are fast-paced. There's limited downtime. And, and for the most part, barring any overtime or shootouts or whatever, they have a predictable end time. And, and well, that's what I think the problem is with baseball. Now, the change of possession in both of these sports, hockey and football, is fast-paced, unpredictable change of possession. It's an intense atmosphere for everybody. And I think... And I know you're a fan of the NBA, but I think sometimes, and even in baseball, um, umpires, the, the the officiating staff sometimes, to me, dictates the speed in the course of the game. Whereas you know, in football and and football more so than hockey, but it seems as though I I, I like the sports where the referees are not almost considered like another a third party involved in the game. I like them to be part of the wallpaper, if you will. So in that sense, the change of pace. The, the change of possession for football and hockey is where it's at for me. You know, it's funny, and the, the answer to this question is actually being posted tomorrow, and I, I, it's another one I haven't really answered, but I'll give my opinion. I, I love, you know, you know me, I'm a basketball guy at heart. Yep. I love the NBA. Um, understanding how the gaming works and knowing that, like, it's a 12-minute quarter, and at the 8-minute mark and the 4-minute mark, it's an automatic TV timeout. Yep. You know, what I mean, understanding where the TV timeouts are and so on and so forth. I do like the NBA, even though the, I, feel, I feel the game has deteriorated. But I think it's always a very good live experience. But um, I, I think I still have to go with, uh, like you said, either either go with the NFL or go with with the, with the NHL because yeah. when you go watch hockey, you never know when that's where it's a story. They could end with a one nothing game and it'll be very very exciting. Right. Exactly. I think I've, exactly. I think of all the sports, baseball. Baseball is is one of those sports I just can't I can't sit there live and watch. I'm one of those people where I'll watch I'll watch maybe a game at home and I'll tune around. And if I miss an inning or two, I won't miss too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the t- the ticket price is so high at the stadium and everything is so high at the stadium. And you know you I'm a planner. I'm one of those people where like okay, if, if, like for example, the Giant game is at four twenty five. I know the game will be over by seven thirty eight o'clock. Exactly. Baseball, you never know. So, yeah, baseball. You can get there for a seven o'clock game with extra innings and everything. You'd be there till two a.m. Right, and it's happened. Yeah, and it happened. I, I was there for an extra inning game um, a long time ago when uh, Giambi hit the uh, walk off in the bottom of the thirteenth. Oh, it was raining that night too. Not a fan. Yeah, no. So, exactly. uh, 
So I'm also a firm believer that I like to be there from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Yeah, so that's just how I am. Yep. Uh, now let me let me turn the tables on you. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Um, out of the NFL teams that have you know that are having success this year, that are playoff bound, what team in each AFC and NFC has surprised you? Hmm. Um, I want to go definitely with the Rams. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, with the, the Rams. With, I'm sorry. I'm trying to type at the same time. I'm going to go with the the Raiders for the AFC. Okay. They are uh, a complete surprise for me, only because Derek Carr has been their quarterback, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they've become, to me, a, a, a playoff contender. They're the second seed in the AFC. Um, they just have built a team around Derek Carr. They know who they are. And I think they're a surprise for me for the AFC. What about you, AFC? Um, I, I was originally going to say the Rams. But here's my problem with the Rams. Raiders. Uh, no, Raiders. The, yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> it's the same thing you did. That was terrible. Um, my problem with the Raiders is that their defense is still not strong. It's, it almost reminds me of the Cowboys a little bit where um, you, you want to have your offense on the field because you can control the pace of the game and keep your defense off the field as long as you can. Mm. I was I was thinking, I was thinking in the AFC the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins. Um, yeah. And the reason why is, I think after week three or four, they basically said Ryan, this is Ryan Tannehill's team, and he has to either put up or shut up. Yeah. And they have a first year quarterback to, too. I mean, a first year coach too. Yeah, first year coach. I the team is playing very very well, um, and they're going to make it in uh, because the the difference between a wild card team and the AFC. Like the, the teams that are there now to the teams that are fighting to get in, there's a, they've they've opened up some breathing room, so they're going to get in. Um, and it also doesn't surprise me that Baltimore is playing as well as they are either in the AFC. Yeah, because um, that division is just up to, that's the worst division in football this year. Okay, so I think um, for for the NF uh, the NFC, I mean my number one surprise. I think a lot of people are surprised. The Dallas Cowboys. Come on, they have a rookie running back. They have a rookie quarterback. They thought they were playing with Tony Romo. Uh, Jerry, uh, what's his name? Uh, Garrett, Coach Garrett's been the coach for a long time. They haven't made the playoffs. All of a sudden, you get the emergence of these two young rookie phenoms, and there are the they are on an eleven game winning streak, top of the NFC. That's a surprise for me. I would have never thought that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna differentiate because again, that offensive line is that good. You, you can play quarterback side over there, not get. Not get hit. Um, I think you just put any type of quarterback back there with that offensive line. Yeah, Elliott's playing well. Again, the, the real test is going to be next Sunday against the Giants. Yep. Um, here's a team that uh, that no one's talking about. They've really made some strides, and they're playing very, very well. And uh, their quarterback's an MVP candidate, and that's the Detroit Lions. I don't think anybody predicted them to be winning that division this year, that they're going to win. Matthew Stafford having MVP type of season. And it's a very, very, very uh, competitive division, but I can't see the Packers coming back. I don't see the Vikings rebounding from this slide that they're going on. Mm-hmm. And the Lions are winning the games that are on their schedule. And they're you know, people, people, you know, you and I have had this argument over the last uh, couple of weeks about, you know, it doesn't matter the schedule; it matters if you win the games. And my big thing has always been. Look at the Carolina Panthers last season. They only beat two teams that were above 500 before going into the playoffs. Right. Well, they, they, they played the games that were on their schedule. The Jets last year were were picked. Everyone look, overlooked the Jets, and they won some games that they shouldn't have won. 
this year they've got people getting up to play them. Same thing with the Carolina Panthers. Teams slept on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came in and stole some games. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, well, the Lions, uh, first in the NFC North, are playing today at uh, 1 o'clock. In the, this is a good game, too. I, I wish I had this on TV, but the, the Lions are playing at the Superdome at the New Orleans Saints at 1 o'clock. That, I mean, oh, this, there's this, no defense going to be played there. No, the score is going to be like 42-38 or something ridiculous. That's, and, that's a sports bar game with wings and, and you know. Yeah, and I mean, wings and, and, the Saints yeah. are so good at home. I, I like the Saints in this game, but I'm not willing to put my lock of the week on them, but I do like the Saints in this game. I do. Yeah, I like it too. Um, here's here's a question for you. Um, you know, we were talking about quarterbacks this past week on the show after you hung up. Mm-hmm. Um, does Philip Rivers end his career with the uh, San Diego Chargers? Oh, Philip Rivers. You like the guy? He plays so hard. <sighs> when is his contract up? Do you know? He has another two years on his. Contract. He's another two years. How old is he? He's the same age as Eli. Thirty-five. Well, we have to see what what would happen with the the move. Uh, I know he has a a bus load of kids. I'm not sure if he would want to move from San Diego to wherever the Chargers seem to end up. Um, there was an eleven hour there was an eleven hour deal that got squashed between them and the, the Chargers and the Raiders that were going to send some brothers of the oh, not the Raiders uh, the Broncos. Mm-hmm. There was a deal on yeah. the table that was going to send um, you know, Rivers over to the Broncos, and that would have solved the quarterback issue. But now I have a feeling you're going to see Romo wearing a Broncos uniform next year. I think Romo's going to be a Jet next year because the Jets just <laughs> love to do that. I, I have a strange, strange feeling that he's a, like, there's, a, there's a few teams that can use a, a quarterback. The Browns? And the Jets? <laughs> the Broncos? Browns, the Jets, the Broncos. Um, the Chiefs? I, I don't trust Alex Smith, and he's injured, I think, even. I, 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 you might be looking at Arizona because you might be trying to part ways with uh, Carson Palmer. If Carson Palmer leaves Arizona, I would love to see him in a Jets uniform. Oh, what about Joe? the Bears? The Bears are going to need a quarterback. Yep, the Bears are going to need a quarterback, too. So, there's, you know, it's not like everyone's like, oh, he's just going to go to the Jets. No, he's not going to go to the Jets. <laughs> like, I still think he is. My question to you is, and this is a very valid question, would he take a discount to go play for the Broncos? Well, I think he would because I think he said in his press conference that he would like to pretty much be assembled, be the last piece into like a playoff-ready team. And I think if he's healthy and if he does play, I think the Broncos can go to the playoffs with him next year. Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a real tough one. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Um, well, let's. Uh, I guess you know. Finish. Uh, I'm gonna. I guess I'm done. Let me finish out with uh, one more question for you. Mm-hmm. How awesome was it to be talking to a World Series uh, manager? Oh, to to be interviewing him or just to talk to him? Because I've done that before. No, interviewing him because you, you did. You have that moment where you're just like. Um, yeah. You know, I was I was standing there thinking, like, okay, Joe Madden, he's cool and stuff. He's a great, great guy. And I was thinking, I was looking around, like, there's not many people here. And then I, in my mind, when we were talking about the um, the parade and the five million people at the parade, I imagine what that would have looked like if we were doing the interview. Same situation in Chicago. I think there would have been people banging on the windows and, and everything. But, but I don't know. I, I, I loved Joe Madden. I thought he was a very great guy. Um Approachable, open, giving, and it was just cool. It was just cool. 
That's awesome. Did you get to watch it yet? I did. I watched it uh, a little while ago, actually. And your favorite part? Um, I, I enjoyed actually watching both your facial expressions. I, I think that always <laughs> tells a lot during during an interview. Uh-huh. Like if you if, if if you're able to like. People always look at my face when I'm when I'm doing interviews, and they always say that I'm stone faced because usually because I'm trying to think of the next question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now it's like you know I watch your face, and you just had this little gleaming smile, like like oh my you're like oh my god, finish this answer so I can get to this next question. <laughs> the next question is gonna rock better than the last question. I promise. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna I'm I'm getting a call um, for a couple minutes. Uh, we're gonna get the fantasy football rundown. I'm gonna play that for you guys who who are listening. Um, if you can't wait. About another 15 minutes to listen to it. You go on my website, prosportsrundown.com. I wrote a nice article with it, too. But uh, Awesome. He was great. It was great. And I, I want to thank, and I, I will later, but I want to just thank the uh, Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center for that just amazing opportunity. And and they're great with everything that I do there. So just a shout-out for them. Well, that, that's awesome. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you had a good time and you enjoyed it. And, you know, only good things to come. Oh, yeah. Onward and upward. Yeah. Onward and upward. All right, Danielle. Thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. All right, Randy. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it, too. All right. Wow. We, this is a great show today, everybody. Are you not impressed with the number of people that are calling in with nice, intelligent things to say? I mean, this is great. we got a nice audience on Facebook and, and Periscope. Uh, we had a Dolphins fan on here before. <laughs> Someone asked me, what is my favorite food? I don't I, Cheese fries. I don't know. <laughs> you know, send them over here because I'm a little bit hungry. Um, so as Randy was alluding to, and now we're just waiting on a f- the fantasy football phone call of the week from from Greg Larnard. But um, as Randy alluded to, a couple different things. I-, I did interview Joe Madden, who had won the World Series with the Chicago Cubs this year, and, and I've documented it on this show how the Cubs were having won a World Chari- Series championship in 108 years. Uh, the curse of the, the curse of the Billy Goat. Uh, and all you know, all these things that were so piled against the, this team to win Game Seven, rain delay, they're losing, and they they come back and beat the Indians, who who the Indians haven't won a World Series since the 1940s themselves. And in any other series, they would have been the favorites. But you see, since the the Cubs hadn't won in a longer period of time, they were the favorites. So I went to uh, the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center. Uh, Friday night and I spoke with Joe Madden at length about a lot of different things and uh, I'll play the interview for you guys coming up but um, back to football what else is going on today oh someone just typed a very long message oh could you type that again I think that was the Dolphins fan Uh, uh, looking at the playoff picture right now first round buys yes first seed Patriots second seed Raiders followed by the third seed Ravens Baltimore, fourth-seeded Texans. Don't even get me started on this. Uh, the sixth-seeded Dolphins and the fifth-seeded Chiefs. Uh, then, going over to the NFC side, we have the first-seeded Cowboys, second-seeded Seahawks, third Lions, fourth Falcons, fifth the New York Football Giants, and the sixth-seeded Redskins. And we just talked about some surprises with Randy on air. And now we're going to the phone lines again. 60-minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Greg Warner, the oh, CBS G- Sports Fantasy Football Guru. That's up, you. <laughs> What's going on, Greg? It's been a while. I know. It has been a couple weeks. All right. So what do you got for us today? Uh, fantasy football picks. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's get into first and foremost. Let's do the inactives. 
uh, for the day. I was kind of going through the list of players that have already been ruled out, and I highlighted a couple of them for you. And I'm sure you already knew because this is coming into the day. These players were already inactive. We have Jeremy Macklin, wide receiver. He's got a groin injury for the Kansas City Chiefs. And a guy I'm looking at to replace him, Tyreek Hill. He's got five touchdowns this season, 45 receptions on 40, say, or excuse me, 56 targets, 428 yards. He's really been doing a great job these last couple of weeks. He's been very productive for Alex Smith, and he's, he's frankly played himself into the number one wide receiver role there in Kansas City with Jeremy Macklin out. Ryan Matthews, we know he's going to be out with a knee injury. He missed last week's game against the Packers as well. Wendell Smallwood and Darren Sproles, they'll be at Cincy, and Cincy has just looked like a team that's just beaten and battered right now and, and just frankly giving up on this season because they are, you know, they've lost A.J. Green, they've lost Gio Bernard, there's a bunch of guys that they've lost, and, and Andy Dalton's nothing special. We know that. So if he doesn't have his big targets, it's going to be hard for him to compete. And I'm looking at Smallwood and, and Sproles to really have a good game in this one. You look over to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alan Hearns, the wide receiver there, he's got a hamstring injury. He's going to be out. Everybody would think, oh, it's going to be Alan Robinson. Finally, maybe he'll get some targets and he'll get some. He'll come through as the number one wide receiver that we all saw last year and everybody was anticipating this year. You know, they're going up against Denver, so I, I want to temper your enthusiasm about really going all in on Allen Robinson. You know, Marquise Lee might be a guy who's, who's not going to get, you know, be played against uh, Akeem Tlaib that you can maybe look at. He has two touchdowns in his last two games, but overall, Bortles hasn't been impressive this year. He's, he's capped in garbage time. He gets all his points in garbage time, yeah. and uh, it's going to be tough for them against Denver. Their pass defense, very, very strong. Chris Ivor, he's got a hamstring injury. TJ Yeldon and Denard Robinson, a guy who two years ago really came out of nowhere and was, you know, he was a comported quarterback from Michigan, and, and he really ran the football with a lot of gusto for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had a couple of good games thrown in there. He was a fantasy football factor a couple of years ago. They've started to kind of get him back into the mix a little bit in Jacksonville. We know Jacksonville's down on TJ Yeldon big time. So Denard Robinson might be a sneaky play here. And we know that Denver can be beat on the ground. So I would watch out for those two guys this week. If you're hurting at running back and you need a very, you're in a very deep league, maybe take a look at Denard Robinson. Jordan Reed, he's got a shoulder injury tight end for the Washington Redskins. And now Vernon Davis, he's the other tight end there. He's been very inconsistent this year. But if there's time for Vernon Davis to be consistent, it's some, show some consistency, it's got to be when Reed has been ruled out. We've seen a lot of games where he'll catch five balls for 80 yards one week, and then he won't have a single target and won't have a single reception the next week. So he had five catches, 68 yards last week. They're going up against Arizona. Arizona, I don't think, will be you know, counting for him. They'll probably be trying to stop Deshaun Jackson, Jamison Crowder, who's been really good this year, Pierre Garçon. So maybe look out for Vernon Davis to actually put back to back weeks together of having solid fantasy value. CJ Proceis is out. We're going to see more Thomas Rawls. So those are the guys that we already knew, Danielle, that were out. And now here's some guys for the 1 o'clock games. So we've got actives, inactives who have already been uh, assigned to them. And one guy I'm looking at here is Eddie Royal. He was questionable coming into this game today. He's been ruled out. So that's just going to open the door 
for all the other Chicago Bear wide receivers today, although my Matt Barkley's throwing to them, so I don't know how well they're going to perform. I mean, they do have the San Francisco 49ers today, so there could be some, some possible possibility of some big games for other wide receivers. This is a big one if you're an Eagle fan. Jordan Matthews with an ankle injury, he's been ruled out today as well. We know the struggles there of the Eagles wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar has been a mess. Who the heck is going to catch the football in Philadelphia? Danielle, your guess is as good as mine because I, I really have no idea who, who, I was going to say Sam Bradford, Carson Wentz is going to be throwing the football to. And the Eagles, that's, that's you know, they started the season so strong and now they're just, the wheels have fallen off. They really have. You know, and I was at the game on Monday night against the Packers, you know, I'm a big Packer fan yep. and, uh, I was. It was a beautiful thing to hear the link just silent at the end of the game. It was <laughs> awesome. And, and I'm surprised. Did you get beat up? Because uh, Philadelphia Eagle fans are not the nicest. They aren't the nicest. You're right. But I didn't wear my cheese head. I wanted to keep that one, you know, kind of intact, and I wanted it to be as in, in good a shape as it as it can be. Because I figured if I'd worn it, it would have got beer spilled on oh, yeah. it. It would have gotten taken off my head, kicked oh, yeah. around. But I, 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 I didn't get beat up. I, you know, my rule of going on the road and watching my team is because I, you know, I rarely get to go out to Green Bay and watch the Packers. Yeah. Is if I'm on the road watching my team, I root for my team. I don't talk to anybody else unless they engage with me. Yeah. You know, nicely wise. If they're engaging, you know, I got a couple of dirty looks. Devontae Adams so I just caught the first touchdown of the game last Monday, and I stood up, started cheering, and I'm the only Packer fan in my section. And everybody, I see people leering back at me, giving me dirty looks and telling me to sit down. I just kept cheering. I didn't say anything to him. Didn't say anything to him. All right, so who do you got? Who do you, who's your best quarterback uh, for today? All right, let's go. I got two guys at each position for you. Do you want me to give you two, my two guys? Give me the top, the, the top one for each. The top one. All right, well, this might surprise you a little bit here. Um, and... I don't like to say it because I don't like this guy personally, but Colin Kaepernick, I can't deny what he's done over the last couple of weeks because he's actually been a very, very good, relevant fantasy football quarterback. I already talked about how the San Francisco 49ers are going up against the Bears. Their defense leaves a lot to be desired. Linebacker Danny Trevathan, he's been put on IR. That's a big blow to their defense. And get this, only Aaron Rodgers has more fantasy points the last four weeks then Colin Kaepernick. He's added rush yards back to his game. We know he he would have the opportunity in that high-octane Chip Kelly offense. He's accounted for 373 rushing yards in, in the past six games, and he's fifth in passing yards over the last four games. That's something I don't think we've, we've really seen out of Colin Kaepernick since those days with, with Harbaugh and Alex Smith and the, uh, the kind of quarterback controversy. And he just missed the, a game-winning touchdown by, what, a yard? last week so he almost oh, had one more touchdown to pad to his uh his stats there he did yeah that was really close to, uh what was it the dolphins they stopped him right at the goal line yep yep all right so kaepernick all right so uh running back kind of touched on but who is who who are you playing at running back today running back well i uh i'm gonna go with Devonte booker today for the denver broncos there's no trevor simeon we're gonna see paxton lynch rookie at quarterback yep he did okay, you know, in the first couple games that he'd gotten an opportunity to, to, to play, but I'm looking at Devontae Booker to be absolutely carrying the load today for the Denver Broncos. He's got 24 carries the last two weeks. He's an absolute workhorse, and they're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. There should be plenty of room to run, and 
And like I'll mention a little bit later, but the Jacksonville passing defense has actually been pretty good this year. So I'm going to go with Devontae Booker, rookie for the Denver Broncos. You want to be starting him in your lineup today. All right, and at wide receiver, top pick. I'm tweeting these all as you're saying them, by the way. Oh, okay, very nice. I was going to say, I think I'm getting a lot of Twitter notifications Yeah, it's all me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see, top wide receiving pick. Well, I'm going to go with Larry Fitzgerald in this one. He hasn't had a great season this year. That Arizona offense just hasn't had a great season in general. Carson Palmer, he's actually looked his age. John Brown, everybody thought him and Michael Floyd were going to come out and break out and have these big seasons. The last two years, people have been ranting and raving about these two guys, and they've really been underwhelming, simply to say the least. So you talk about Larry Fitzgerald. I think he'll bounce back in this one. He had back-to-back games with fewer than 65 yards and single-digit fantasy points in five of his last six games. The Redskins, they have trouble with a slot-wide receiver. We know this point in his career, Larry Fitzgerald is in the slot, and I don't think he'll have to face Josh Norman at all. So that should be a nice matchup if you have Larry Fitzgerald. I think he has an opportunity to have himself a nice game here against the Washington Redskins defense. Okay, now I want to ask you tight ends, but and I know you want to talk about Gronkowski, but give me your top tight end, and then we'll, we'll digress a little bit into Gronkowski and what that means for the, the Patriots for the remainder of sure. the season. Sure. Uh, well, you know, you look at, obviously, Martellus Bennett would be an obvious one. We'll talk about him in a minute. But I'm going to go a different way on this one just because I thought, you know, Mar- Martellus Bennett has been, you know, obviously he- he's obvious because Gronk's out. Who's the next best thing? Martellus Bennett. But I'm going to go with a guy who I've been on his train for the last several weeks now about getting him in your lineup, picking him up off the waiver wire, and starting him because tight ends, they're so hard to really come by if you don't have one of the top tight ends. It's kind of like uh, you're just streaming in different options. But this guy has actually been pretty consistent this entire year. And his name is C.J. Fedorowicz. Yeah, tough name to say when you look at it, but he's the Houston Texans tight end. And he has at least five targets in eight straight games to go along with a nice matchup against the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Uh, today, actually, I should say, in, in about an hour. Uh, they're allowing The Packers are allowing seven catches, 80 yards per game to tight end the past five weeks and no player no wide receiver not wide receiver but receiver in the Texans passing game has had more receptions targets it's either been Fedorowicz or DeAndre Hopkins and we know Hopkins is not having a great season so Fedorowicz has been kind of that safety valve for a very underwhelming Brock Osweiler so far this year so I look for him to continue and have himself a nice game against the Packers defense which frankly is not very good at this point even with Brock Osweiler as the quarterback even with Brock Osweiler okay. as the quarterback, he's okay. shown that he's been able to get it done even with Brock Osweiler struggling. Brock Osweiler's problem isn't hitting a check down. His problem is getting the ball down the field and getting into his best wide receiver's hands, him or Will Fuller. So you look at C.J. Fedorowicz, he's like, okay, I'm just going to get myself into some open space right in the middle of the field. Yep. I'm a big target. Just throw him in a football. I'll catch it. We'll go from there. And so- he's also been a good target in the red zone so he, this is an easy guy for for Brock Osweiler to throw to so I think that's why CJ Fedorowicz has had himself a nice season so far now someone just suggested on, on Periscope Reed Jordan Reed yeah it wasn't a question it was kind of just a statement oh <laughs> I don't I don't know <laughs> well we know Jordan Reed's gonna be out today so I hope they don't want to play Jordan Reed if, if you're if you're if you're talking about Jordan Reed you know like I mentioned before uh, Vernon Davis might have to be a guy uh, that you look at this week. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure, so maybe they can clarify that. So, okay, now we know that Rob Gronkowski for the Patriots is out 
for the rest of the season. He just got surgery. He's ready to hit the dance floor. Everybody has seen that video. Now, you know, the Patriots, I don't think it's going to be an issue, actually, because it's, it seems to be the Patriots that it doesn't matter. They're so in system that it doesn't matter. I mean, we saw it with Garoppolo. He, he came in for Brady and did all right. I think their system is so great over there in New England that it doesn't matter. I mean, they have Martellus Bennett in his place. It's not going to matter. I think they're still going to be a contender with or without Gronkowski. What do you think? Yeah, yeah they're definitely going to be a, a contender, Danielle. But you know, I was looking at the numbers for the wide receivers this year for the Patriots, and, and I think this is going to be a bigger blow than I think a lot of people give it credit for just because you look back at all the – the, the teams that the Patriots have had and how Tom Brady's been able to do so much with so little. And, I mean, you look at they still have Edelman there. They still have Martellus Bennett. They still have Chris Hogan, Danny mm-hmm. Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell's been stepping up lately. Deion Lewis is there. LeGarrette Blunt has been good out of the backfield. But Gronkowski, he's had 25 receptions this year, and he had 540 yards on those 25 receptions. That's 21.6 yards per reception. That's the highest on the Patriots. Nobody really comes close except for Chris Hogan, uh, and you know he, he doesn't get a lot of the offense. He's been there all year. Gronkowski was able to do so much in such a little amount of time. He's a huge impact player on this offense. They're still going to be the good New England Patriots, but I don't think without Rob Gronkowski, they are not going to be the same dynamic offense that we've seen. And we've seen Martellus Bennett have some good games while Rob Gronkowski was in there. I'm not sure he's going to be able to. I hope he does. I hope he does because I have him on one or two of my fantasy football teams. But I don't think he's going to be able to produce that Rob Gronkowski-type production week in and week out like we've seen Gronk. I love him. He's very good, big athletic tight end. Uh, But he's had 42 receptions and the same amount of yards receiving as Rob Gronkowski. So right there it tells you that you know he's clearly not anything close to what Gronkowski is. Gronkowski is just an absolute freak. Uh, And they're clearly clearly going to miss him because that's what a lot of this offense has been about. It's been about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And Chris Hogan has a deep threat. Yeah, Chris Hogan, he, he's, been, uh, he's been good out of the slot, sometimes playing on the outside. And uh, like I said, Malcolm Mitchell has been there too. He's got himself in the end zone a, cu- a couple of times. He, he has three touchdowns already, which is tied for second, uh, receiving touchdowns on the Patriots. So maybe he's a guy that you know, they continue to look towards uh, as the season progresses, and maybe he'll get some more opportunities. You know what I came across? I just wanted to run this by you. In my research when the Jets played the Patriots last week, Tom Brady, since he's been back, I think, I forget the number, but I think he has t- thrown touchdown passes to seven or eight different wide receivers. I mean, that's incredible to me. It, it's so they're not reliant on one guy or another. It's kind of, He just kind of spreads the ball around. Yeah, seven different receivers. Yeah, he, he is uh, the master of making something out of nothing, mm-hmm. as we've seen in the years past, yeah. because he's had the crappiest bunch of wide receivers. He made Dion Branch look like a number one wide receiver, and he clearly is not a number one wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, he, that doesn't surprise me at all. He, like I said, it's been seven, seven different players that have caught touchdown passes from him. And that, that's what the good offenses do. They spread the football around. They don't lock on to one or two guys. Mm-hmm. They spread that football around and let everybody get involved. That's right. All right, Greg. Well, well thanks for your for your advice. I tweeted them all, so you can just retweet all those to, uh, to, your, to your following. But I appreciate you coming on 60 Minute Overtime, and, and thank you for your time. Of course. Love to do it, Danielle. Hopefully I'll see you. Uh, we'll talk next weekend. Yeah, next week. All right, so everybody, that was Greg Larnard from CBS Sports, and that was his weekly football segment, fantasy football segment. And uh, he, the guy, he's just so knowledgeable, and, and you guys should just take advantage. You can follow him. Uh, we forgot to do it, but I'll do it for you. Um, you can follow him 
he does. Uh, he's on Facebook. His show that he does is called The Word with G, and that's on Facebook. And then on Twitter, you can follow him at G L A R N three four thirty four. That's his Twitter handle, uh, and he does uh, he does uh, great stuff there. So uh, thank you. I appreciate you coming on from CBS Sports. And uh, someone just had a very funny uh, thing that came through on Periscope. This is a great show today. Um, someone just said, uh, my knowledge, me, my knowledge of football has him questioning his masculinity. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So let's just uh, transition. It's not just football, everybody. So let's just transition a little bit quickly into baseball. This is Tino Martinez, World Series champion for 60-minute overtime. And speaking of World Series champion, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on WRPR Radio. Uh, speaking of World Series champions, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, if you've been hanging with me with a phone call with Randy, uh, I had interviewed World Series champion manager Joe Madden at the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center uh, Friday night. It was an incredible experience. I was, it was one-on-one, and Joe Madden gave me about 10 or 11 minutes of his time. Uh, we talked about a lot of different things, a multitude of different things. I'm going to play that for you guys now. Uh, also, if you're curious, I did uh, a write-up for it on my website, prosportsrundown.com. Um, we, we just talked about, like, I guess the main the main things, I guess, were, what do we see, uh, visiting the White House. Uh, they haven't visited yet, but he talked about how he talked to Barack Obama on the phone. Uh, we talked about the story behind his late father's angel's cap, which, um, you know, you can find bits and pieces online on different websites that I tried finding, but he tells the whole story here. Uh, Madden, that doesn't sound very Italian. Actually, uh, it's Madini, or Madonni, Madonni. Uh, and then we went into a whole Italian thing. And then just we touched on the future of the Cubs. The, the future is bright in Chicago. And uh, we all know that Barack Obama is... A White Sox fan. So I did ask him about that, having to go visit or going to go visit in the future um, the White House with a, a worldwide known White Sox fan. So without any further ado, this is uh, me, Danielle McCartan, interviewing Joe Madden. You find it on prosportsrundown.com. On uh, my Twitter, I tweeted it. On my uh, iTunes account, SoundCloud account, YouTube account. And it's all there for you. But here it is, especially for you on 60 Minute Overtime. Uh, I'm Dana McCartan coming to you from the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center in Montclair, New Jersey with none other than World Series champion winning Cubs manager Joe Madden. Uh, Thank you, Daniel. So you, you know for your glasses, I have to say this. Yeah. Uh, this is a fan question that came in. What would happen if you ever wore contacts to a game or practice? I wouldn't do that because I'm really uh, totally opposed to putting something on the end of my finger and then pointing it into my eye. <laughs> I've never even tried. I don't even know if I'm a candidate for contact lenses, yeah. so you'll never see that happen. You'll see sunglasses, you'll see alternative glasses, but you'll mm. never see me sans glasses with contacts. I can't do contacts either. I don't like eyes. That's it just crosses me out. I don't get it. <laughs> um, so, you know, do you, um, do you have an opinion now about the World Series not being det- uh, the All-Star Game, not determining the World Series uh, home uh, field? It's um, six, one, half dozen of the other. I thought it was slightly interesting the way it had been done before. I managed mm-hmm. in tw- 2000. And first, I was part of the staff in 2003 right. when it was the first time it counted. Yeah. And I'm going to be the first time since then that it doesn't count uh, next year. But I don't, I don't know. I think, um, uh, I think a lot's made of it. I, you know, the, the competitive component was definitely there while the game mattered. So you, right. as a manager, as a player, you, you felt something different going into the game 
uh, but I'm not opposed to it not counting. This way, when you do the game this uh, this summer, you feel very comfortable about getting people involved, getting guys in and out of the game. Right. You're not worrying about the result necessarily because right. it's not tied to anything. So I think it's fine. Now, the, the story behind your dad's mm -hmm. cap, um, I tried to find it. I never actually got Why do you keep it? it? It's here. It's here in town right now because it goes with me everywhere. Yeah. It's in my uh, backpack uh, because it's my dad. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, my dad was a big baseball fan. My father uh, used to play catch with me every day. He'd come home from work. He was a plumber. Mm -hmm. He played catch with me in the summer. He'd throw football with me in the winter. He'd play basketball with me in the wintertime. So my dad did all that. Um, and so we passed away in 2002, the year the Angels won the World Series. Right. And this is his hat, um, not from that year specifically, but a hat that he wore all the time. So okay. it was in a dugout uh, when the uh, Angels mm -hmm. won the World Series in 2002. Probably messed up in 2008. Didn't put him in a dugout versus the Phillies. Well, that was that's my it. mistake. That's it. And then that last game in Cleveland when the things weren't going so well, I ran upstairs during that rain delay and stuffed it in the back here in, in, underneath my uh, hoodie. And seriously, I was, I was tapping that sucker during the game. And uh, so now my dad has been witness to two World Series victories. Cool. That's very cool. Now, he also had shortened your name. You, you're Italian-American. Yeah. And your name, I think I have it, was Madolini? You know, it's either that or also... Um, could be Madoni, just uh, okay. like Madden, mm -hmm. uh, with an I at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, the tombstone next to, in in, uh, in Hazleton, where my grandparents, uh, Carmen and, uh, and, uh, and and Rosie are buried, Rex is a tombstone that says Madoni. So I have to believe there's something yeah. that, that's related to that. So it's either mm -hmm. Madoni or Madanini, and the other half is Polak. I'm half Polak, half Italian. Okay. So do you embrace the heritage of the oh, of course. Italian? Please, yeah. <laughs> Um, listen, yes. Uh, came from a really large family. My dad had 10 plus brothers and sisters. My mom did. The Italian side of the family we really were related to, to, to half of the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go through that, that cemetery and I'm looking at all the, the tombstones. My God, I'm related to everybody in this. The Ambassadors, Gaudianos, the Grecos, yeah. uh, the Frascos, the Frask. I mean, everybody was related to everybody, the Mornells, uh, the Archangels. I could go on and Which on. Which city is that? Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. So we had okay. a, when I was a kid, the reunions drew over. Um, 200 people in the summertime, have them down in the valley in some uh, really cool grove, State Troopers Grove, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. 200 plus, the photographs are great, uh, ball playing, uh, playing some horseshoes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, we did it up, and I'm sure they do it around here very, in a very similar manner. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My family, yeah. Parli Italiano? Uh, I, I did. I parli Italiano oh. in high school for two years, and I <laughs> I, uh, I had Mr. Persico for two Actually, they offered Italian in high school. Yeah, mine too. Okay. I'm an Italian teacher. Okay. Okay. There you go. So then <laughs> I did. I parli I parlo Italiano in uh, junior, soft, junior and senior year uh -huh. I had it. And pretty much I forgot all that I oh, you got to use it. I know, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is it going to be like going to the, uh, the White House? President Obama, everybody knows, is a White Sox fan. How's that for you? Well, I talked to him. He actually called me right after we had won, and uh -huh. I was in our apartment in uh, Chicago looking out the window, and I get a call from the president from Air Force One. Crazy. And we had a nice conversation, and he put it out there that, is it possible, ask, is it possible that we go there now before he's out of office? Right. So I talked to Theo about it. I don't even know where that's at right now or how that's mm -hmm. going to happen. We have Cubs convention in the middle of uh, uh, January. That's an incredibly insane event in yeah. Chicago. That's the only time I know that all the guys would be there one time. You could jump okay. on a plane and go do something like that. Right. Uh, but it would be very, very fun to do. I, I met uh, the president during the All-Star Game in 2009. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, via the phone conversation. So... Uh, going to the White House obviously is a pretty big treat. Yeah, does it come up Air Force One on the GPS? I mean, it on the, on the up, caller ID? It comes up unavailable. Oh, unavailable. unavailable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you get unavailable, 
Answer it. Answer. I don't answer those. Yeah, I, I normally don't. But this <laughs> All right. So now let's get to the World Series. Now, uh, what had you learned managing in Tampa that kind of propelled you to manage in Chicago? Uh, what you primarily learn is to trust yourself. Right. You know, trust your stuff, trust your um, your theories and uh, how right. you go about your business. Um, the fact that you know that it does work. Uh, so when you go to Chicago, a bigger market, but I really did not want to do anything differently. Right. I don't think I did. Right. Um, so I, I think it's more than anything, it's the experience that you gain. Uh, probably in a smaller market like that, possibly right. the ability to make more mistakes, a lot less expectations in the beginning with the double raise. But then uh, going to the Cubs, I, I do. I'm not. I do love expectations. I do love right. the word pressure. So um, I just think primarily it was a, a great place to cut my teeth. And then uh, we, we really elevated within the American League East also. We gave the Yankees right. a hard time, gave the, the Red Sox a hard time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to be learned, but I primarily was the experience gained. Now, you know, was there any, you said pressure, was there any added pressure? You came so close, Mets beat you in yeah. 2015. 108 years. Is that a pressure-filled situation? You, know, or? I, you hear that all the time, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think like every day, you know, we all have pressure on us every day, right. whether you're going driving to work, uh, yeah. caught in a traffic jam or... Uh, you know, what are your kids doing that night? Or is this something awry with your children? I mean, we all have different. I mean, I, I don't necessarily feel it. I didn't feel the 108-year-old uh, weight. I, I never felt that. Um, I was always very confident that we could get it done. I'm glad we did it this quickly, only because now we could move forward. Right. Uh, the burden's been lifted. Right. Now we can go play. Uh, people could have uh, yearly expectations without this, the burden of having not done it in over a century. So I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't really deal with uh, the world in that. In that matter, in the baseball world, I, I was just, um, I went about my business as normal and it played out well. So a parade of five million people, what is that like? It's, um, it's, it's indescribable. I mean, you've got to be in the middle of it. I mean, if you've seen the photographs, you've yes. watched it on TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we're we're going to have a parade. Okay, good. Uh, where's it going to be? It's going to be you know, down uh, Addison, down the freeway there, the Lakeshore, and then it's going to go downtown. Okay. And then all of a sudden you get in the middle of it. Oh my God! Yeah. I did not anticipate. It's like a that. national holiday in, in Chicago. Eh? Did not did not anticipate that. Uh, Fairless Bueller's Day Off uh, <laughs> times fifty. Everybody. You know, it, everybody was there. So it was. Uh, it's it's one of those uh, once in a lifetime moments, and I really like a lot of things. More recently, I've been trying to slow it down and really enjoy it. What does Anthony Rizzo do with all those balls? Uh, I don't know. He's going to probably have his own Rizzo museum at some point like this one. <laughs> You're going to see, like, baseballs and stuff in his back pocket for years. Right now he's in Thailand on vacationing. Thailand. He's, 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 he's sending some great uh, Twitter photographs right now. Uh, so Anthony's doing it right. Now, um, arguably the best ga uh, games have in World Series history. Yeah. What is it like to be the manager managing that game? Uh, freaky, you know. It's, um, it was, uh, everything was going according to Hoyle until uh, Davis hits the homer. And then uh, it's a matter of, like, really being able to – uh, control your emotions. I think we yeah. we all struggled with it for a bit, but we all uh, re regathered our, our, our methods and everything worked out well. But um, again, you're doing it, so you don't really understand or feel the impact while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But I promise you, the moment that Rizzo caught the ball from KB, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, wow, we just we just we actually just did that. And then, you yeah. know, we've all gone through surreal moments in our lifetime. That really is. I mean, it, it's hard to describe. I don't know when, exactly when. You're able to process it to the point that you truly understand what happened. But um, KB to Riz and the smile on their faces is pretty special. Now, the, the future of the Cubs now. Young group, young core. Oh, we're going to get better. I mean, I, honestly, everybody keeps saying we're the best. Uh, and I heard that all last year. But you have to understand, we're playing with a lot of green players out there. Mm -hmm. These kids are good, but they're really inexperienced. The biggest difference, I think, if we could, uh, we, sh we need to work to maintain our pitching and our defense because mm -hmm. the hitting's going to get better. Right. Uh, but I'm really 
I don't, we don't win that without the way we pitched and played defense all year. Um, so for me, um, we need to, uh, you know, hold that line, and pitch at that level, play defense at that level. Because I promise you, these young guys are going to become better offensive players. Might be tough, though, Chap with Chapman's exit. Yeah, it is. But it's, uh, I mean, Chappie was great. Araldis was great. Uh, however, I, I do believe that there's ways to, um, you know, figure that part of it out. Um, so uh, he's going to get a wonderful contract. I'm really happy we had a great yeah. relationship. But yeah. we'll be able to figure that out. Okay. Now, I was just wondering if we could do a speed round of Italian things. Do you mind? Okay. So just... Give me the first thing that comes to your head. Ready? Got it. All right, so we'll start easy. Is it sauce or gravy? Sauce. Chicago or New York or New Jersey pizza? Uh, New York. <laughs> and I, sorry, sorry, folks. They like the deep dish. I don't like deep dish pizza. <laughs> so thin like crust. The thin so would you rather ski in the Alps or swim in the Mediterranean? Swim. Favorite Italian tradition? Uh, it's just like Christmas, but it's like... Um, Easter pie. I don't know, pastiche. Do you guys do that? Yeah. I, I love yeah. my Easter pie. I okay. All right. Your favorite gelato flavor? I can't do that. I'm mean, lactose intolerant. Oh, okay. Um, Type of pasta? Uh, pasta. I like them all, too. I'd say um, I, mean, I love linguine with a good clam sauce. Okay, I, I good, good. Favorite Italian city? God, they're all over Italy. Um, if I had to pick one, obviously it's got to be Rome, but I tell you, a really well kept secret is Verona. Verona, uh, we've been there. Verona's fantastic yeah. uh, outside yeah. of Venice. So, but you got to go. I mean, I mean, everything's wonderful, but Rome, the history there is just it's incredible. Okay, now Ferrari, Maserati, or Lamborghini? Uh, Dodge Challenger, help that. <laughs> and Vino. It's fabulous. Vino Rosso or Vino Bianco? Oh, Rosso. Rosso. Que tipo de vino? Ah, no, 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 no. I like the Amarones um, a lot. And there's uh, the the less expensive uh, Antenor. Antenor makes a really nice uh, table right, that you can afford on a daily basis. Antenor. All right. Well, I'm Daniel McCartan coming to you from the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center in Montclair with Joe Madden. Thank you. Madolini. Mad Madoni. 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 Okay. I okay. Think. We, we'll figure it out. Okay. Grazie. Thanks. Tante grazie. Aguri. Aguri. Oh, he was great. He was such a good sport. So thank you to uh, the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center. Uh, to Lindsay Barra, who I'm sure had a hand in, in getting me that one-on-one -on -one interview. Uh, and um, and for Joe Madden, he was a great sport, uh, especially doing that speed round at the end. That was uh, that was my favorite. So I'm glad you guys were able to listen to that. If you missed it or if you want to watch it again, go to prosportsrundown.com and you can uh, read the article I wrote with it, too. So that was Joe Madden. Uh, that was an event I went to. Uh, I went to. I missed that. You're going to have to read, write that again. Uh, so that was Friday night. Upcoming events. I have a uh, an event coming up on Wednesday night, which is the inaugural Gen Youth Gala. And I promised Edward Call that I would uh, definitely read this on air. This is uh, the inaugural first ever Gen Youth Gala, empowering the youth to go for the gold. It's at the Waldorf Astoria Grand Ballroom on Wednesday night. Special guest in attendance, Peyton Manning. I really want to get him to say... Like a little jingle for my, my uh, show here. 60 minute overtime. That's what I want. I don't know. I don't know if even, I'm even going to get a chance to talk to him. But uh, that's uh, Peyton Manning. Also there is uh, Mike Golick, host of ESPN's Mike and Mike and former defensive tackle. Hannah Storm, who's ESPN's Sports Center host. She's a world uh, award-winning producer and director. And, uh, and what else? And that's going to be at the Waldorf Astoria. Uh, Edward Cull, if you want to buy tickets to this, they're still available. You see Peyton Manning in the flesh. It's uh, the f Twitter handle. Uh, you can uh, go on to Twitter 
And at, it's Eddie, E-D-D-I-E-K-U-L-L. Also, you can go on, the website is gala.genyouth, G-E-N, youthnow.org. It's a, it's a, and they're honoring, I'm sorry, I have to mention this, they're honoring Bill McDermott. He's the CEO of uh, SAP. You guys know that. You've seen SAP before, at, definitely at Giant Stadium. They have, or MetLife Stadium, they have a gate, uh, you know, that you can enter. Uh, and Gen Youth, just about a little bit about the organization, is committed to child health and wellness in the school environment. Uh, initiatives, everybody knows this one. You've seen the commercials. Fuel up to Play 60, the NFL Play 60 movement. Uh, so this is just a great event. And that's and that's that. So that'll be Wednesday night, and I will check my Twitter. I uh, definitely have some more information about that. Uh, again, uh, that's the Gen Youth Gala, inaugural gala on Wednesday, uh, December 7th. Special guests Peyton Manning, Mike Golick, Hannah Storm, and they're honoring Bill McDermott. Okay, so check that out. Um, that's that. The next thing I want to talk about is something that has been circled. Uh, uh, December 8th has been circled on my calendar for uh, a very, very long time. Uh, it's an Italian. It's Thursday night, December 8th, at Carmine Sports Bar and Restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. It's an Italian. It's, an, it's organized by Joe Qualiano and Carmine Gangone. It's an Italian-American baseball family. That's a new organization. It's a launch party and a fundraiser for the Amatrice Earthquake Relief Funds. That's going to be on Thursday night. I can't wait to go. I've been prepping for weeks. Some questions. Special guest number one, Mike Piazza, Jason Greeley, Frank uh, Catalonotto, Francisco Cervelli, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, Marco Mazzieri, who's the manager of Team Italy, uh, President Fracati, he's the president of the, of the Italian Baseball Softball Federation. Many more are invited. I think uh, Joe had just added uh, Lima Zilli, John Franco, and Bobby Valentine to the guest list. Uh, Mike Napoli. I mean, it's just a who's who uh, Italian-Americans in baseball. They're all going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be broadcasting live on Facebook. Hopefully, if I can get the Wi-Fi going, if Carmine gives me uh, a good Wi-Fi code and everything, I'm going to do uh, definitely live, uh, vi- uh, live, definitely doing video interviews. That's for sure. Uh, so you can check those out on my YouTube page. But if I can, you know, this is where it's going to be. I'm going to do it on Facebook Live as well won't have all the bells and whistles but it's live right and i have no producer it's just me so uh i'm gonna play you an interview that i, I did with joe last night we pre-recorded just talking about his role um, the guy deserves a lot of recognition for what he does uh, he, he seems like he has grown into an ambassadorship role basically um and he just needs to be recognized for it so here, here's uh myself and joe qualiano Qualiano. He's the founder of Mint Pros, which is a specialty baseball organization dealing with VIP baseball events. And uh, I've been to a few of those. Joe, your events are, are top notch. I got to tell you. Thank you, Danielle. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you at the events as well. Let's just talk about how we're going to be talking of events. We're going to be at the next event together on uh, December 8th, uh, next Thursday. Uh, it's with in conjunction with the Italian American Baseball Family launch. Uh, it's a fundraiser for Earthquake Relief, too. Uh, it, it's just a huge event with a lot going on. Could you tell my, my listenership more about it? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a Dougie in Brooklyn at Carmine's uh, Restaurant, Sports Bar. Uh, we have a great lineup, starting with Mike Piazza, a great Mets uh, uh, Hall of Fame player. And we have a lot of people coming, uh, a lot of VIPs, uh, 
including uh, Frank Cabernado, the Italian national team coach, former MLB player, uh, Francisco Savelli for the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, former lightweight uh, champion Ray Gubo Mancini, uh, Bobby Valentine, Lee Mazzilli, um, John Franco. Uh, it's, we have a real nice lineup, but a lot of good guys coming. And it's for a good cause. Like you said, it's part of the, um, part of the proceeds end up to the, uh, the NIAF, NIAF, excuse me, NIAF earthquake um, relief fund. And part of the proceeds are also going to go to the Italian Baseball Academy uh, in Pisa, Italy. Uh, to help fund scholarships for student athletes, so uh, it's for a good course. Now we were speaking of NIAF, which is the National Italian American Foundation. We uh, were at an event. Well, we worked the the expo not long ago, about a month ago, uh, together with Marco Landi too, who is from Phoebes. Could you tell the audience more about what the FIBS is? Yeah, it's going to be a, a new initiative that we're we're launching, and it's going to really connect Italian the Italian. Federation of uh, Baseball and Softball. Mm-hmm. It's going to connect it with American, uh, the public, the American public, and try to get Italian Americans and even baseball fans involved more in the league and uh, try to help promote the league, the Italian Baseball League, and you know try to get more publicity. We're going to do some fundraising events over the course of the year, and we're going to have different events. We're going to do one in Arizona, do one in World Baseball Classic in March. So we're trying to get the word out about the Italian Baseball League and we're going to throw it through, through, it through the Italian uh, American Baseball family. Now you, Joe, you have like a, a, so much going on. What is what is your role and what is your hand in all of this? You seem like a like an ambassador. It's pretty much that's it. Pretty much an ambassador. I mean, I haven't been given a title. But I would say ambassadors are good work. <laughs> so, now you being, your last name being Qualiano, you're Italian yourself, so what kind of pride do you take in in, in, in doing this? Well, it's, um, it's a great honor, actually, to be asked to help out. And being Italian-American, my grandparents are all immigrants from Italy. Uh, and being a big, you know, Joe DiMaggio and Yogi Berra and Mike Piazza fan, it's a, it's a great honor. And uh, I hope I could fulfill their wishes and help them out as, as best I could. And we're going to try. We're going to try to get people involved and uh, try to get some corporations, some sponsor, sponsorship money for them. And um, we're going to do our best to, to uh, make people aware of the uh, federation, the Italian Baseball Federation, and um, get the word out. That's the whole idea. You're going to do a great job. I know that. And one of the, the comments that the more prevalent comments that came out when we were working the booth in uh, Washington, D.C., was people were coming by and saying, oh, I didn't even know Italy had a baseball team. So what is the important, yeah, what is the importance of spreading awareness about Italian baseball, which is primarily a soccer uh, country? That's the difficult part, is that people don't know that there's an Italian baseball league, an Italian federation of baseball and softball. People in the States are not aware, and it's not a popular thing in Italy as well as, as soccer is the main uh, main sport. So the problem is getting recognition. And uh, that's where we, we hope that the Italian-American baseball family can do different events in the, in the States and maybe some in Italy and get a youth movement to the Baseball Academy in Pisa and find sponsorships, hopefully for the, the 
national team, and even the, the youth leagues in Italy. Um, so there's a lot of different things going on here that we're trying to promote and trying to 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 do for the Italian league. Now, Joe, how did you get in, involved initially into, into doing all this and in, in with the leagues and stuff? I actually came through a conversation with Frank Catalanato, and I know Frank is very involved. He's the coach again. He's been the coach, I think, this might be his third, uh, second WBC as a coach, and mm-hmm. I know he was a player with the WBC Italian national team. Um, but we had talked about doing a fundraising event for the league, uh, for the team. And it evolved into not just uh, an event for the team, but an event for the league where we could promote the, um, the academy uh, for the youth in, in the Pisa. So it evolved into something more than just recognition for the Italian league. Scholarships as well. Now, how did you pick Pisa? I'm, curi- I'm just curious for that. Well, that's where the, uh, the Italian baseball academy is located. Okay, so it's already an established one, and you're just funding it. Okay. What we want to do is we want to, uh, part of the proceeds are going to go for scholarships for student athletes to go to the academy. Okay. Well, we, uh, you know, this event is going to be, like I said, it's going to be at Carmine's in Brooklyn. We are completely sold out. We have no tickets. In fact, we're a little bit oversold. Um, And we have a great lineup of guys coming, and we have some sponsorships, um, uh, Western Beef. Uh, is going to is a sponsor, and I want to give them recognition as one, along with the uh, National Italian American Foundation. Uh, and these people are behind us and supporting us, and we want to have a great event and be able to get some student athlete scholarships for the Italian Baseball Academy and help with the NIAF uh, earthquake relief fund. So we're very excited about our first uh, event for the uh, Italian American Baseball family. And, like I said, we want to do more. So, if there's anybody out there interested in getting involved or want to do future events with the Italian American Baseball Family, please don't hesitate to contact us. Um, you can reach us at uh, mintpros at aol.com. That's M I N T P R O S at aol.com. And uh, I'll get the email and I'll get right back to you. And you're also on, uh, you have your own website, right? And then Facebook, too. So, so you can shout that out, too, so people can find you. That's exactly right. That's uh, mintpros.com, M-I-N-T-P-R-O-S.com. And we're on Facebook uh, at uh, mintpros um, as well. Also Twitter, right? Yes, we are. We also have mintpros, yes. All right, Joe. Well, you've been talking about this since the day I met you, literally, and uh, I'm counting down the days. You were so excited over a year ago about this, and uh, I am too. I'm counting down the days, and I, and I can't wait for Thursday. Yeah, Ben, we're looking forward to your interviews, and you're right. This originally was planned to go on July 28th, but because it was in the middle of baseball season, we had a lot of guys that couldn't make it, uh, especially the current um, ball players like Sinelli and uh, Jason Greeley. Um, so we had to change uh, our date to do it during the off-season, and it worked out well. Most of the players are coming. We had a few cancellations, but most of everybody on our guest list is coming. Okay, great. All right, and then, uh, guys, just one more time. It's for all of Joe's events, including for the upcoming season, which actually I'm, I'm going to – I know you're, you're too modest, Joe, but I'm going to plug it. Um, mintpro, mintpros.com, uh, if you want to go there, and then you can get a gift certificate for, for Christmas and for the holidays. Uh, for his upcoming 2017 events. And listen, you don't want to miss these events. They're, they're really great. They really are. 
Thank you, Danielle. And also, I didn't get a chance to really talk about our events at Yankee Stadium. And you've been there before. We have a, I get sweeps at Yankee Stadium, and we bring uh, cast of Yankee legends in, like Fitz uh, Peterson and uh, Goose Gossage and Ron Guidry, and they intermingle and they, they sign autographs, take photos. It's a great, great event. Uh, we, our game this year is going to be on July 29th. I think that's the date. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that is the day. And it's going to be, uh, you know, you've been there before. It's a great time. And gift certificates are available on our website. And uh, the other thing, we are planning on having Mariana Rivera. We're working on it. Not definite, but we hope to have him on our September 16th game. Um, but, you know, it all depends on Mariano's schedule, uh, if, he could, if he could get this done. Um, so we have a lot of things planned at Yankee Stadium as well. Like I said, a legend sweet game and possibly a game with Mariano or maybe Bernie Williams in September. And you also do Mets, too, for the Mets fans out there, right? We do. We don't have our Mets date yet, but we are working with that. And we hope maybe Mr. Piazza will cooperate with to get him to a game in uh, a city field. A lot of things coming up in 2017. We also have Mariano Rivera's South outing going to take place in uh, Tampa, Florida. On February 17th and 18th, and information for that can also be found on our website. Daniel McCartney here in uh, Suite, what are we in, Suite 4 now with uh, four, three. And that was uh, Joe Quagliano. Uh, go to mintpros.com for all of your VIP baseball needs. He does a great job. I've said it a million times, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday. I can't wait to bring you guys on Sunday some of the content from that event. Uh, We'll do maybe an Italian-themed Sunday. Maybe maybe we could bring some food in here or something and uh, get some ziti or lasagna or something up in here. That'd be cool, right? <laughs> All right, Jets or Giants first? Uh, I guess we'll, we'll go with the bad news, Jets. This is Brandon Marshall, wide receiver of the New York Jets, and you're listening to the 60-Minute Overtime on WRPR. All right, Jets it is. All right, guys, so the New York Jets, we talked about it a little bit with Chris from Mawa when he called in before. The Jets are, um, you know, pretty much mathematically excluded from the playoffs this year. I think they just need to lose one more game or another team needs to win or, or something ridiculous like that. So, uh, you know, there's still a fighting chance. I still want to, you know, show that I am an unbiased uh, member here, but the Indianapolis Colts are coming to us, to the New York Jets, to New Jersey, for Monday Night Football. Kickoff is at 8.30 p.m. on ESPN tomorrow night. Uh, broadcast live on the Jets radio network of 98.7 ESPN. New York Jets' keys to victory. Uh, we'll keep it short. Jets' keys to victory are going to be, uh, one, their defensive line. Last week versus the Patriots, the Jets' defensive line, especially Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams, were consistently in Tom Brady's face. And I said that going into the game. I said that the Jets always play Tom Brady well. In, in, and, I, and there's a whole stat on, on my website, but I forget exactly what the stat was. But the past three three losses that the Patriots have had against the Jets, Tom Brady has thrown interceptions, um, low, uh, low quarterback ratings all throughout. And I said last week that they needed to get some pressure on him. So actually last week Tom Brady ended the day 30 for 50, 286 yards, and the lowest quarterback rating of the season for him, which was an 89.2. So the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts is nothing 
compared to the Patriots one. So look for the Jets defensive line to show up against Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is 236 for 375 this season, 2,827 yards. It's one of his best seasons yet, but the Jets will get some pressure on him, no doubt. The offensive line is built like Swiss cheese for the Indianapolis Colts, and if the Jets can get enough consistent pressure, this is going to be an easy game for them. The other thing is they need to lock down T.Y. Hilton. And that's a wide receiver, and he's Andrew Luck's number one target. The guy has five touchdowns and 60 catches this season for 942 yards, which is almost an average of 16 yards per catch, which is incredible. And uh, Luck loves to throw the deep ball, so Revis, Screen, and Gilchrist better step it up, or it's going to be a long night for the Jets. Now, uh, Pryor is out. He is, uh, I believe, in concussion protocol. So the Jets' secondary is a little bit banged up. And reports, obviously, coming out this week that Darrell Rivas from the New York Daily News does not want to play football anymore. So there's that. So there's that, too. Uh, But if Luck can throw the deep ball, it's going to be a long night for the Jets. Uh, Number three that they need is a solid performance, please, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. This season, he has 13 interceptions, 8 fumbles. That's got to be number one in turnovers for quarterbacks in the entire NFL. I didn't look that up, but uh, last week it was one of his better games until he fumbled on the final drive of the game. Patriots ball, game-winning touchdown, game over. So Fitzpatrick needs to play a turnover-free game. He needs to make smart choices when throwing and you know handling the ball. I think, uh, how did he fumble that ball? I was watching, I think... He muffed the the snap, I believe, is what it was. Come on, man. We talked uh, with with Chris from Mawa about how no one in the NFL is uh, able to figure out why the Jets are starting Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point in time. The Jets have two young quarterbacks that have seen limited or zero action, game-like action. And I know Todd Balls is playing for his job. But in a way, you have to look at it like this. Okay, you're playing for your job. Do you need wins? Or are you playing for your job? You need to play for the future. Because wins right now are not that important for the Jets. Because wins right now would just give them a disadvantage in the NFL draft coming up, the 17 draft. So that would be a gigantic disadvantage for them. So right now, my wish, as I said last week, is for the Jets to kind of experiment with what they have to so that they can know what they need to address. Does that make sense? I, I feel like I'm, I, this is not making sense. Todd Bowles, are you listening? Please. Please start plugging and playing some, some players. I would love to see how Darrell Rivas would play as a safety. And if you do do that now and it works, great. You need to target a cornerback in the draft. If it doesn't work, you put him back to cornerback and you work on it. Right? (sighs) Anyway, so the Indianapolis Colts' keys to victory, they need to stop the Jets' run game because they're tied for the third-worst running defense in the league, allowing 4.6 yards per rush. Not that the Jets have a huge, strong running game. Forte struggled against the Patriots last week. Uh, Fitzpatrick's going to play a very safe game against his Colts' defense. Dumped the ball off to Forte to gain some yardage this week. Um, Bilal Powell, pretty explosive. 
So uh, for fantasy football people, if you're making some last-minute things, I'm going to go with uh, either Forte or Powell. I would look at those guys to, to pick up because uh, or start. They're going to have a good game today, especially because uh, Fitzpatrick probably doesn't have much confidence left. So the next thing is, uh, you know, with Eric Decker's uh, absence and injury, season-ending injury, Quincy Nunwa has stu- stepped up for the Jets. I interviewed him last year, by the way, when he was, you know, just starting out. Now he's he was on the rise. Now he is... He is it. He came off his best game of his career versus the Patriots, which is nothing uh, to knock. He had four receptions of 20 or more yards. And uh, with the absence of Decker, and Nunwa is one of Fitzpatrick's go-to receivers. Obviously, Brandon Marshall, I'm wearing his shirt today, is uh, is the number one. But Nunwa can do it all. He's a, he's a good blocker. He's got good hands. and He gets open. Third. The wide receivers of the Colts need to beat the Jets' man coverage. Again, going back to T.Y. Hilton, he said, we know what we need to do. We need to beat man coverage. Beat the man in front of you, and we should have a big day. End quote. Now, wide receiver Philip Dorsett said, quote, obviously the Jets play a lot of man coverage because they blitz a lot. End quote. The Colts know their game plan. They just need to execute it now. If the wide receivers explode in the secondary and beat the Jets' cornerbacks, it's going to be a blowout game. Blowout game. Uh, this is not something I'm touching with my lock of the week, however. My score, let me think. It Colts, Jets. Let's say, uh, let's go with a, who's going to win? Let's go with the Jets win. <laughs> Jets win, 17-14. Lock it in. 17-14 Jets over the Colts today from the blustery Meadowlands. No, not today. What am I saying today? Tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. The Jets 17, Colts 14. It's going to be cold tomorrow night, too. From the blustery Meadowlands, 17-14 Jets. Okay, now sliding over to the other side. The the grass is greener side, the New York Giants. Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. The New York Giants are playing at the Pittsburgh Steelers at 4.25 p.m. kickoff on Fox. And if you are in the car, it's going to be on WFAN 6.60 a.m. and 101.9 FM. Uh, the flag, WFAN is the flagship station of the New York football Giants. Now, Giants, keys to win. Number one, they need to capitalize in the red zone because the Steelers are one of the best teams in the red zone defensively. They only allow touchdowns. 41.7% of the time. That's the best in the NFL. So when the Giants are on offense in the red zone, they need to get some points. They need to get kick a field goal. They need to do something in order to put some points on the board. And when the Steelers are in offense on the red zone, they get a touchdown 63% of the time. This is going to be a battle of the red zones today, um, you know, defensively and offensively for both teams. Number two, Giants need to protect Eli. They've been doing a good job of it, but uh, just some perspective here. In the beginning of the season, when the Giants started off two, at two and three, Eli was sacked nine times. The Giants ha- are riding a six-game winning streak. Everybody tied for second best in the entire NFL with the Dolphins. Obviously, the Cowboys are. I think it's eleven games now. But uh, in their six-game winning streak, Eli has only been sacked four times. He's thrown fifteen touchdowns. And only six interceptions to go with that. If their offensive line protects Eli, 
and he, they're going to be safer with the football. They're going to commit less turnovers, and it will lead to more points on the board for the Giants. Defensively, they need to manage Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is uh, the number one receiver of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has 82 receptions for just about a thousand yards, t- ten touchdowns so far this season. He's uh, Ben Roethlisberger's biggest target, and he always seems to find a way to get open and make the big plays. He's he's fast. He's agile. And the Giants cornerbacks, especially Janoris Jenkins, Mr. Moneyman Janoris Jenkins, it's got to shut him down. And also, when that happens, they need to be able to adjust to the alternatives. Okay, so Landon Collins is going to have a big game today. Or he, he needs to have a big game today. And I think he will. Because if, if, if they do do that, see the Giants, and I was listening on the way in, the Giants are, are struggling still to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, from their front four without bringing in extra help. So if you have to bring in extra help, that opens up the field in other places. So the Giants really need to, to tighten up on defense and, and you know use the Patriots model, do your job. like Do what you're supposed to be doing. And in that sense, it's going to start taking away some of the weapons that Ben Roethlisberger has. I, I think I explained that the right way. I think that makes sense. So, you know, if they if they shut down Antonio Brown, which I think they will, they can't let like their running back Le'Veon Bell have a huge game because of that. All right, so Pittsburgh Steelers keys to victory. Now let's go over to the terrible towel side, the uh, the golden black number one Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I just mentioned them. They have combined for fifty three percent of the offense's touches this season. That's like ridiculous. Roethlisberger has just about 2,800 yards on the season to these guys with 23 touchdowns. So if the Giants are able, like I just said, to shut down Brown, if I'm the Steelers, I'm going to throw some play action, play action in there because you get you get him to bite on Brown. You run the ball a couple times. You you use a play action. The field is going to be wide open. So look for Ben to find uh, Bell and Brown in the end zone and for them to make big plays today. Uh, again, this game is in Pittsburgh, which is an advantage. Uh, linebackers Lawrence Timmons and Ryan uh, Shazier, they're two of the best linebackers in the league. They need to step it up once again in order to get a Steelers win. Timmons has, this is incredible, 57 solo tackles. Shazier has 31 on the season. They both lead the team in tackles 1 and 2. They're a fast duo. It's going to limit the yards after reception for the Giants, and we all know and Odell Beckham Jr. loves the yards after catch. That's where he is excellent. That's where he excels. He catches the ball and makes something out of nothing often. So, for Odell Beckham, uh, he, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough day for him. The Giants need to start uh, utilizing some other people, shall we say. And, and that leads me to the third point. They, the, the Steelers need to manage and shut down Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he's one of the most versatile players in the game. He's, he's just getting started. I mean, he was started the season a little slow, uh, but as of recent, he's got uh, 65 receptions, 915 yards, eight touchdowns. The, the guy's been on fire, and there's been a little bit of, uh, you know, will he receive punts like he did last week? A lot of people say yes. A lot of people say no. I'm with the no. I'm in the no camp only because he's, you know, he's such a valuable player, and if he goes down hurt. You know, it's it's gonna be bad news for the Giants. Like, like you, I was even watching last week when he was making a play. Like the guy p- physically picked him up, and if you watch wrestling, choke slammed him to the ground, out of bounds. 
guys are gunning for Odell Beckham Jr. So I think putting him in to return punts is not the smartest move. Uh, I know you you know the old adage is not one player is you know more important than than another player. But let me ask you this: If let's say you are a I don't know, let's say a, a, a Raiders fan. Wouldn't you rather have someone else get hurt other than your quarterback, Derek Carr? Right? Wouldn't you? So, yeah, players are more valuable than other players. So, And if Odell Beckham Jr. goes down hurt, God forbid, you know, the, the Giants are, are fading, will fade fast. So, uh, I hope he's not returning punts, but the Steelers must bring him down as soon as possible. You know, last week he had a 59-yard punt return last week. It was nullified by a holding penalty, which kind of stinks. But if Odell Beckham gets hot, the Giants are going to have an advantage today. Now, uh, you know, in media the talk has been, who who would you rather, Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham? And who would you rather, Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger in, in the clutch? You know what I'm saying? For me, I'm going Antonio Brown. Sorry. But I'm picking Eli Manning in the clutch. Final drive of the game. Eli, Eli, a hundred times over Ben Roethlisberger. A hundred times. That's the kind of confidence I have in the Giants quarterback, Eli Manning. So I think that's it. There are no tweets coming in. I had to turn off Periscope because um, my phone was dying. Someone jacked the charger out of here, which is fine, I guess. Uh, so we had a great show today, almost topping two hours. So, you know, when, you, when I upload this, it's not going to be 60-minute overtime. It's going to be like... 130 minute overtime or something. No, I'm just kidding. We talked a lot. We talked a lot. We talked. Let's just recap here. Start off with Jeff Fisher somehow getting a two year extension on his contract through 2018 with the LA Rams. Oh, God. We talked the hot topics of the day athletes in politics, uh, NFL ratings. Why are they down? Which sport gives you the best live experience and why? I played you my interview with uh, Cubs manager Joe Madden from the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center, which was excellent, amazing. Can't say enough good things about that guy. I wish him, you know, continued success throughout his, the rest of his career. Uh, upcoming events, uh, we have the Gen Youth Gala. I have the Gen Youth Gala Wednesday night with Peyton Manning and a couple of guys from ESPN. Thursday night is Carmine Sports Bar and Restaurant in Brooklyn. It's uh, the Italian-American baseball event. Italian American World Series of Baseball events. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, that I'm going to have on on Facebook Live. Hopefully, all goes according to my plan. So tune in Thursday. Put it on your calendars around let's say six o'clock ish, and we'll test that out. So if it's if I can do it, I will do it. Uh, we talk Jets, Colts, keys to victory for both teams. That's going to be on Monday Night Football tomorrow night, and then we wrapped up with Giants Steelers. That's a 4:25 game on Fox. Got some great callers in here. Randy Zellia called in. Uh, Joe Qualiano, we heard from him. From the, He's the founder of Mint Pros. Greg Larnard from CBS Sports. And uh, I'd like to thank Chris from Mawa. He always checks us out on here. So, Chris from Mawa, if you're still listening, thanks for hanging for so long. Uh, those of you on, on Facebook Live, I know it says there's two of you. One of them I know is Aunt Donna. So, thank you. And I don't know who the other person is. So, thank you to whoever you are. And uh, I think that's it. That's going to wrap it. So um, next week, please, in the meantime, shoot me over any fantasy football questions you have. Greg should be back next week to uh, to answer them. You know, start them, sit them, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't wait to bring you my Italian-American interviews. I can't wait. I can't wait. 
Okay, so until next week, I'll see you guys next Sunday, 11 a.m., same time, same place. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.